total irresponsible parenting. Not according to the internet. Where on the internet? Dax, it's time for your bath. But I miss my show. Don't argue with me, young man. Just do it. This is our dad. I'm the professor. Yeah, he made us in his laboratory by accident. Don't worry, professor. I was an accident too. You're my children, and I love you, but you're all terrible. Everybody is going to talk, because that's my rule. Everybody talks. So I am Sarah Hanisco. I am your moderator for this panel, Family Gaming. Uh, you can find me on Geek Parenting Podcast, Heroes Feast Podcast, where a bunch of nerds get together on their lunch break and play D&D, and then also Push My Buttons Podcast, which is a brand new podcast I'm doing with Luke Hunsaker. But uh, I'm just your moderator. We're here to listen to these fantastic people. So we'll just go down the row. Everybody can introduce yourself and where we can find you on social media or elsewhere. I'm Candace Tarkeesian. I have been a public speaker for a little over 10 years, focusing mostly on video games and Marvel. And you can find me online. I am running my own homeschool with a geeky slant to it called at Learn Explorador. All right, I'm Jean. Um, you can find me on social media with Jean Loffy Child. Um, that's both my Snapchat and my Instagram. Instagram's all sorts of dark emo stuff, so have fun with that. <laughs> and I am the token teenager of this panel. <laughs> I'm Curtis. Uh, the easiest way to find me is my website, my publishing company, DireCorgiGames.com. Uh, I've been writing games for a significant amount of time and raising kids. So yeah, well, some of them are a little older than others. <laughs> I'm Mitchell Dale from UK Utah. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and I'm not a teenager, but I act like one not usually, so. We do know. He does. Uh, I'm Rob Neal. I'm the token bald guy on this panel. Um, I can be found on social media at Shadowrunner on Instagram. Twitter and uh, Facebook. Uh, also, it could be, excuse me, founded Dr. Bolt Comics, uh, judging games for that. All right, so I'm going to start with a super easy question. What was your favorite game to play as a kid growing up? And why? Donkey Kong? Why? It was just fun. Okay. Trying to get through all the missions as fast as you can. It was great. Okay. Joust. Ooh. Okay. I was horrible at it, but I loved it. That's Galaga. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Galaga's hard. Uh, Pit. It's actually like this exact copy of Pit. I was an only child and adopted, and so we had exactly three players all the time. And my mother didn't believe in face cards, so I grew up <laughs> learning to corner the market with Pit, and that stuck with me. Um... Mine was Pathfinder. That was the first game that I was really allowed to play that was board game sort of style. Um, yeah, I've got a level 20 character. Nice. Epic. Which one? Rita. My first character. <laughs> I don't remember because it's been a long, long time. You can uh, say marbles. We won't, we won't say marbles. No, 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 no. I remember playing Pac-Man a lot, Street Fighter a lot. Joust was a favorite. Donkey Kong was great. Uh, I got into Dungeons and Dragons really, really early, and so I've been doing mostly role-playing games for the last 35-ish years. Nice. 
My, my first two characters were Bert and Ernie. Oh, wow. So I've been playing a long time. <laughs> Fantastic. So tell me, growing up, what kind of games did you play with your families? And what kind of impact did that have on you growing up? I will go first, I guess. Um, Pathfinder. That's how I kind of learned how to do math a little bit, was helping um, create characters. Yeah, and I am part of the Pathfinder Society group now because he dragged me into it. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Uh, my parents didn't actually do much for games. I don't remember playing a whole lot with my parents growing up. I even remember playing Mule, which should bring back ancient memories for anybody who remembers it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was about it. I did play a lot with my brothers, and we played a lot of Battletech. We did play some D&D. We didn't have really good rule sets, so we made up most of it, which was okay. That was a lot of fun. But most of, of my social time was with my siblings and friends rather than my parents. Yeah, my parents didn't do much with gaming either, board games or video games, so it was usually kind of trying to go over to my friend's house to play like NFL Blitz on their Nintendo 64 or something. And I was an only child for a very long time, so my parents and I didn't play a lot of games. In fact, like I told a panel yesterday, my mom tried to have me committed once for playing D&D. &D. It was awesome. Um, but Satanic friends, scare. Hmm? Satanic scare. A satanic panic. Just, yep. just a little bit. Um, but friends and I would play um, video games. We do some board games, a lot of Uno, War, <laughs> um, Billy Bourne. Um, I actually grew up with Clue a lot. That was one of my favorites. And that's, I brought in Master Detective and Great Museum Caper in case any of you guys have not seen them and are interested in kind of the older different versions that came out in the 80s. Uh, I now collect these because of that, and yet it's not something that we play at home very often at all. If we do anything at home, we're doing classic gaming, video game varieties. So my kids all know how to use the retro duo, they all know how to fire up the old systems, <laughs> but yet I have these boxes and boxes of games that sit there <laughs> because I can't let them go. They've just always been a part of who I am. So most of you are parents, you're not, but you can still answer this question. What do you think the role of games is in helping bring a family together or to learn more about each other or to even teach kids certain lessons? What role do you think they take? What roles do you think you, or what rules or lessons do you think your kids have learned as they played games as family? Balance. I think balance is a huge deal and it's something that we don't learn well enough as children without help, without an opportunity to go out and try something that we can fail in a context where there is no long-term damage. Uh, right now, there is such a high availability of things that will damage a child <laughs> that it is really hard to have that practice for adult living. My 15-year-old daughter, she actually was just on the panel previous to this one, she's been playing Persona 5 to work on time management. Mm -hmm. It's These are things that if she screws up her time management in her real life, it's going to have serious long-term damage. If she screws it up in a game, it may hurt a little bit as far as the emotional impact, but she's not going to throw off the course of her life. 
and yeah. creativity nowadays with games. I mean, Minecraft, <sighs> even to like your adult games of Fallout now. I mean, everything's about building, being creative, making kind of new things and new worlds. So. One of my favorite things is when my daughter wakes up before me, gets on Minecraft, and starts building little graveyards with zombies that are buried underneath the ground. <laughs> She's five. She's a genius. Um, as I mentioned in the panel previous, because I was also on that one, there's a lot of trust that gets built, especially if you are playing with the child. Because I can talk to him about like literally anything at this point, because I feel comfortable because we bonded over gaming, which is something that we both love to do. There's a lot of games out there you can teach just about any lesson you want. Uh, most of the games that, that I play are social games. So you, it's a nice environment to learn how to interact, how to work with a team, how to solve challenges together, and things like that. Uh, it was interesting, I mentioned that my family didn't really play a whole lot when I was growing up with me, but how they approached the, the topic is an interesting one that I'll get to eventually. It, it's kind of interesting how my parents, uh, on my mom specifically, because my parents got divorced when I was young, and my grandma on my dad's side, how they approached this, the same issues differently. Um, for me, I've got twin six-year-olds, so it's not only teaching them lessons within the game, but also teaching them how to share, how to, especially if it's a game that's only one player, how to alternate and take turns so that they aren't hogging the game themselves and then their sister doesn't get to play. Um, but within the games, they're teaching them lessons of you know, how to do things on their own, how to think outside of the box, and um, explore. What, uh, what kind of games are you guys playing with your families right now? Pathfinder. <laughs> Pathfinder. Pathfinder. We, we play a lot of Pathfinder. We play Starfinder. Uh, we do play a few games on computers together, but not a whole lot. Most of ours are, are more role-playing games than anything else. That's fantastic. I wish I could get my five-year-old to play with me. Um, I'll teach you how. That'd be great. Let's see. Uh, Candyland has been a big one lately. Shoots uh, and ladders. And, and, um, I've been teaching the girls over the past couple of years how to play Hero Quest. What we're doing is just a very basic game. It's just numbers. We don't deal with powers. So it's just basically you hit or you didn't hit. And then it shows them also how to move around a map where they can and can't go. Um, and it's also good for math skills because they have to add dice rolls to character stats. Um, we've also uh, started doing a game called Telltale, which are cards with pictures on them and you go through the deck making up a story based on whatever card comes up. That's fantastic. That's, they actually like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. I had to fight them to get this out of the house today. <laughs> <laughs> I won. Barely. 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 Well, yeah, it's two of them. And I'm sure exactly. they um, My kids are kind of to that age where they hate playing with each other right now. <laughs> so I kind of divide my time and spend time with each of them. So like my daughter, she likes playing Skyrim. So I'll sit with her and help her play Skyrim. My older son, he loves Minecraft. So we'll get on playing Minecraft together. Then my youngest son, he's all over the map. He likes to play fighting games and Minecraft sometimes and just kind of splits it all. So I just kind of divide my time between the three of them individually. How about you? I didn't catch what are you playing with? What, what are you? Uh, what are you guys playing as a family right now? Oh man, we tend to kind of take turns and play 
support off of each other while everybody else is playing a one player. Uh, we're doing a lot of Overwatch mm -hmm. right now. My 15-year-old hit top 500 for PS4 this past season. And that I actually think that was kind of a family journey that we went on. It takes a lot. As far as things that we're playing cooperatively, we've been playing a lot of You Don't Know Jack. <laughs> I am no, that I mom. That I don't know that one. Tell me about that one. It's some pretty irreverent trivia. Oh, I can't okay. I can't recommend it as a family game for all families. <laughs> but if you uh, if you have no problem not sheltering your child, and uh, if language is not an issue, then highly recommended. Okay. So yeah. So, you know, we talk about games that we play with our with our families and our kids. I, I struggle with li my daughter, Lily, because she loves games like Bendy and the Ink Machine and Five Nights at Freddy's, and she's just into this one called Baldi's Basics, which has got to be the worst game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what do you guys do when, you're, when your family members or your kids want to play a game that you just either don't approve of or don't want to play because it looks terrible or anything like that? How do you approach that? We have very specific limits. Um, my daughter, again, the one that's 15 now, when Persona 4 came out, it was a really big deal for us. And there's a very young character named Nanako in that. And my husband and I were both doing panels at the time. We were actually doing panels sanctioned by Atlas Games, which is a huge deal. Like that, that took a lot of work to make that happen. We allowed our daughter to cosplay as Nanako. We even have photo shoot photos where I've had to reassure people that we she wasn't actually being hurt. Uh, I had family members come after me for that. It was a big deal. And because of that, she was super interested. She's only started Persona 4 in this past year because there are some themes where we have to, as parents, decide what can my kid maturely handle. My kids can handle a shoot 'em up all day and I don't have to worry about them being violent. But if there's some kind of a psychological thriller aspect, I do have to kind of check in with them. I have to make sure, and if something is not right, we have a conversation about it, and we have a conversation about why we're setting it aside. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can come back and try it again in six months. But if they are showing signs that their mental health is deteriorating over a game, it's gone. Mm -hmm. We just don't mess with that. How about you guys? I, I agree most with, with what you said. Uh, my kids growing up, I've got two daughters, this is my older one, my young one's 13, and they mature in different aspects at different ages. The only way you're really going to know how your kid's doing is watching, being involved. And so, it, you know, in our family, violence against not really a big issue. First person shooters isn't their style, but they can watch action movies and things like that and not have a problem with it. Uh, horror hits them very differently, especially my younger daughter. It freaks her out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we avoid it. Um, she can't handle some of the, uh, I don't want to use the term more adult because it has some negative connotations on it, mm -hmm. but she's, she just doesn't handle some of the other concepts as well as, as my 16-year-old. So you've you got to be involved with your kid. And you, you base your games, whatever you game, around what they can handle and where they can handle it. And then the most important thing that I've had with my kids is a simple statement of fact. I'm not going to lie to them and I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I will talk very candidly with them. So that when they do grow up and they have challenges, because every kid does, mm -hmm. they'll at least talk to me about it. Fantastic. Yeah, I think communication is kind of key. I mean, just try to discuss things, discuss why it's okay, why it's not. And, I mean, just I mean, even things that you think are okay, make sure you're discussing it with them. So then, 
you kind of know that they are getting it rather than just assuming. Um, to go to the first question, we can pretty much at six just go yes, no, and that carries a lot of weight. That may disappoint them, but rather than be disappointed, then have deal with a larger problem further down the road. Mm -hmm. um, as far as other themes, you made the point about children maturing differently. It's also interesting to watch how that happens at the same age. One can handle certain things far better than the other and vice versa. And we run into that with TV shows, movies, games. So it's trying to find the balance between how do we introduce a concept and something that's not going to throw one completely off the rails while the other one live or both of them just go completely just and freak out about it. So finding some kind of mid ground for that. And a lot of communication, not just between uh, us and the kids, but also between my wife and me, to make sure that we're in agreement that this is a good thing, this is a bad thing, or maybe they're ready for an aspect of this or not. Um, and even with like video games, they get limited time. So it's like you can play this for this long today, or you can earn time to this over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helps to keep them from just going, I just want to have my face stuck in the screen all day. Yeah, well, and with what we did, um, I watched my parents play their games, and that really, like, showed me, okay, yeah, that's not really my aspect of gaming, or, yeah, I'd love to play that. It really depends on, like, learning, because I'm a nosy child, let me just say that. Um, my name was um, Snoopy for a while, <laughs> because I just love knowing everything. So I watch people, that's what I do. And, you know, seeing how their gaming affected me and them, it showed me, okay, don't really want to do this because it gets them mad. So I'm like twice as likely to get mad, but hey. So you talk about getting mad. Um, I know with my kid, she's five, the hardest lesson that she's learning right now in games is how to lose. So how do you deal with, with your family members or your kids when they're learning that lesson? How do you kind of coach them to not throw a fit or say, I'm not playing this anymore because I can never win. Well, how do you guys handle that? Or how do you handle with your friends if you're playing something, teaching them to lose gracefully? Well, it really is just like a, you know, take care of your own mental state first. You know, play the games that you want to play just fine, but be able to say, okay, let me take a breather. Let me see how this is actually affecting me tomorrow. Something like that. I try to emphasize working harder and practicing to get better. Just, I mean, if you don't succeed the first time, you just try it again. And video games are great for that. You can try most games over and over until you get it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the challenges that we have is that we have two kids that are the same age, and their skill levels vary for different things. Mm -hmm. One is great at um, like shooting style games. They're both pretty good at puzzle style games, so that's not so bad. Um, but watching, watching one do something and the other one's like, I can't do this. I'm like, she's been playing this longer than you or she's done this more than you have. And just trying to go, it's okay to, to lose or it's okay to fail at this challenge. Try it again. If you need help, let me know. I'm happy to help you and kind of talk you through something. Um, another game that's good for that is uh, Disney Infinity. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Really that, that crashed That's a favorite in our household. Yeah. 
That's a great game. Also, we were talking about that creativity piece where you also have the challenges of, of the storylines, mm -hmm. but you also have the creative piece where you're in the in the in the world building as well. So it's a great game to and teach. It was really something that I, that I started with probably far earlier than we should have, but I would just build um, giant toy boxes that they could just run around in and interact with an environment that I created. Oh, and that's a great idea. For something, I could put it in or take it out mm -hmm. if it was too hard for them to do something which was really great because then they could just go, okay, well, I can't do this now. Can you put more or less of this in? And it just became a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And they haven't really done any of the play sets yet, but there are some of the um, some of the user-created games that they'll go through and they'll play and they'll do some of the challenges in those. And those have been really good for them to just kind of build up confidence and skills with just those challenges. And then I can kind of look at those and go, are they ready for this or not yet as a next step? I love that you mentioned that you have to kind of communicate with them as to what they're needing, mm -hmm. because that's what we've run into. Mm -hmm. um, even though Siren has hit that top 500, that was not overnight progress. And we've had multiple opportunities where she's come back from it very upset. She does have social anxiety disorder. This is not like something that's <coughs> hidden. She, she knows that I bring that up. Like that's, I'm not outing somebody there. Um, one of the things that happened when she first started is that she got upset, really upset, jarred, shaken, and we had to have that kind of communication where you ask, okay, well, are you upset that you lost? Yes. <coughs> Why are you upset that you lost? Because that's the bigger thing. And when she first started out, she was upset because she felt that she should be better at the game. Later on, months later, when she had progressed and she was up in bout grandmaster rank, she had a similar reaction to losing a game. And I kind of thought, okay, this is unusual. We communicated about that too, and I said, okay, so are you upset that you lost? Yeah. Why are you upset that you lost? Well, because this boy said he was going to dox me. Oh. So that becomes the bigger thing for me, is communicating not just a fear of losing or not being good enough, but where is that fear coming from and what can we address? How can we reassure our children, especially, that they're safe, mm -hmm. that gaming can be safe? Uh, well, and that's a, that's a huge issue uh, with my daughter. She likes to play Roblox, which is online yeah. with other people. Yeah. And I, whenever she's playing that, I am with her because I don't, I don't trust other people at all when it comes to that. So how do you deal, if, you're, if your kids are online and playing games with other people online, how do you deal with, with those kind of safety issues? For your family we turn off chat for any family member under 10 that's anything online with interaction unless we are right there and we're the ones doing the interacting it is shut down it is not an option and i've done that with overwatch because lily yeah. likes to play overwatch we you just have turn off. to all chat is turned off no no vocal interactions with other people she just plays the game and shoots which is weird i know no, you're no, looking no, at no. me because the girls watch me play overwatch mm -hmm. uh -huh. like, can we watch you play that shooting game i'm like Sure, and they love watching me play it, mm -hmm. but I've never thought about letting them actually play. Oh, she so yeah. See, nice. my five-year-old, he's a junkrat main, and he mm -hmm. loves it, loves it. We have to turn off both his mic and everyone else's mic, mm -hmm. and in part, he does see us with headsets, so he'll put his headset on. He's listening to the sound through the headset, but he doesn't hear but anybody else. But there's else. nothing else going on there because we do know what's happened with us and in our interactions. We also know what's happened with our older children, and our old, older older children have definitely had some run-ins that were scary. Um, for the most part, it's been a learning experience, and 
thank goodness for that because it does start conversations that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. I had to have a conversation with my 15 year old about, oh mom, you're playing with that guy that I played with the other day. Uh, what guy? That pedophile guy. (laughs) And I said, whoa, hold on. And he's like, she went, no, but mom, it's okay because he's really nice. And I said, honey, no, no, no. That's not the problem that we have with this situation because you rarely find that somebody is a pedophile and isn't mm-hmm. nice. The problem is they're too nice. And what do we do about this? And so then we had to have that conversation. And later on, she was actually able to relay the same information to a dear friend who was going through something similar and was pressured to give out personal information and photographs to mm-hmm. somebody that she didn't know. And when she had a friend who was willing to say, hold up, that's not what the problem is. It's okay to tell somebody no. It's okay to shut down an online interaction, even if the person's nice. So it does start those conversations, but they're not easy conversations. They can be super awkward. Yeah, and with today's world being as open as it is, we have to have those conversations earlier and earlier. It is becoming a huge demand. Exactly. My 10-year-old's got a cell phone, She'll download, she downloaded a singing app that she broadcasts videos, and I wasn't okay with that. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you've got to keep on track of what they're getting into and things like that, so you're watching it. Yeah. Have you guys ever done any family streaming on Twitch or, or broadcasted any of your games? I haven't. I want to touch a, a little bit about oh, sure. my two girls and, and how I've handled them. First of all, they don't use their real names yes. online. Uh, we Not use an alias buffer. Or not usually not even in person. Um, it just as a layer of protection. And then just like each kid develops sep- separately, those there's some progress in there. Like uh, my younger one loves Animal Jam. Mm-hmm. Okay, or at least she used to. She hasn't really played it for about a, six months to a year now. But you know that's a, a way to get in there and chat. But if if you're going to have any interactions at all, and that's a text-only chat, mm-hmm. you watch it. Absolutely. And I can tell you, and I you used Space to work at Animal Jam, so they're very, very careful with what Animal Jam is they very track good about that. Well, and they track, they're really careful yeah. about who they even hire. Oh, yes. They're they incredible. Yeah. They're, they're, as an example, they're really good. But if you're going to start with a, a social game, a, a game where they're online, where they're interacting with other people, start with a safe one. Mm-hmm. Okay? And be, be very candid with them. Say, hey, you know, there are jerks out there. If you find a jerk, you don't have to talk to them. As a matter of fact, Lock let them. me know that it happened. Mm-hmm. Lock them. Yep. Let's talk about what happens and, and why those things happen. They're not easy conversations, like I said, but they're necessary ones. Uh-huh. You know, you can't pretend those problems don't exist, and you can't hide behind them, and then you get an 18-year-old who doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay? So going step by step, and each child's different, and how to deal with certain things and when to deal with certain things. Uh, my younger child has to be a little older than she was when she was that age. She's just not quite ready for some of them. Mm-hmm. And so... She was young. She was a little bit older when she did started Animal Jam. She mostly played with friends that I knew. Uh, she is on Facebook now. She's old enough. Watch it very closely. I know exactly who she's talking to. Cell phones. Both of them have them, and they both know that I have access anytime I want to. You know, and we've talked about some of the threats there. So again, the communication is absolutely critical. Well, and I think that shows too something really important that sometimes if you set the rules after you've already introduced something, it kind of feels like you're changing the game yeah, on them. Don't do that. But if I you set it <laughs> like right out the gate, like with the cell phones, you know, our kids know if we call, you know, hey, safety check, they have to turn over their phones, they have to unlock them, everything's right there, and they know we will go through 
all of it. So I've even had my kids bring their phones in for safety check and I'll say, is there anything you want to tell me now? Before I find it. So that they have an opportunity to talk to me first. And usually, like, we've, we've actually been really lucky. And I think it is because we've set those rules up real early. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some trust, too. So it, you have to communicate what it is that's expected. And if you are doing safety checks, if you are limiting certain access, you have to be upfront in that because otherwise, boy, is that a power struggle. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one's not fun. Mm-hmm. So I asked about the streaming and, and that, mm-hmm. that piece of being online, but none of you are streaming with your families right now? You should try it. It's fun. I was say, I, Siren's I done well, some streaming and I've done some streaming, but not together. Like you and Lily are having fun with this. Oh, yeah, we're having a blast. We, we stream a lot of uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine is usually what she wants to stream. Uh, so we stream that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's really fun. So if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend streaming with your kid. It gets them a little more interactive. They can talk to people. You can have fun. It's a, it's a fun way to game as a family for sure. We did a little bit when I got my PlayStation I when playing in the playroom with that and streaming it on Facebook. But, I mean, that was like a few years ago. So. Gotcha. The only thing I've done along that line is I when uh, a game called Rift. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you yeah, come out? I know Rift. Yeah, my daughters actually sang a song and I recorded it, put it on YouTube. No, we are not bringing this up. <laughs> we are not bringing this up. Nope. This, this was years ago. Yes. That got vetoed. So much issues with that. I didn't want to do it to begin with. <laughs> Did you play Rift? Yeah. Did you play it with your dad? Yeah. Was it fantastic? It was fun. But <laughs> you scarred me from doing music for a while. Oh. Getting back into it. And well, that was definitely not my goal. <laughs> I thought we had fun. <laughs> so that communication we were talking about, that really good thing. Yeah. So if any to- at, at any time any of you guys in the audience have questions, please just raise your hand and, and we'll let you ask questions as we kind of go along this conversation. Go ahead. For, for me, Lily and I use, we stream a lot on PS4 because we can stream directly to Twitch. I know Xbox just came out with a, an in-house streaming system for the Xbox that's fairly easy to use. Um, if you're streaming on Twitch um, from your computer, you will need something like OBS to capture the images. Um, OBS is a little bit tough to use. It, it has a little bit of a learning curve, but once you do it, um, it's great. So it's really easy to, to stream with family really on any platform. It just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, and for older consoles, too, you can find workarounds. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I'm seeing more and more people just doing a dual camera setup. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to say, hey, it's retro gaming, this is not going to be HD, a lot of times that's okay Mm -hmm. because people are just interested in the interactive experience more than, you know, is this... 4K, like <laughs> even on the old system, I, I have a Nintendo 64, and I I have a capture card. So okay, if you have a cool. capture card, you can you can do the older systems as well. And I really want to get my daughter playing Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time because oh. I think she would absolutely love it. And it's it would be at a level that she's she could probably play and understand it. She plays Breath of the Wild on my Switch, so I'm pretty sure she could handle that. Are there are there older games that you guys want to introduce to your family that you haven't yet? I've been doing Miss Pac-Man, which is hilarious to watch a small child try to play Pac-Man, try and talk through. Mm -hmm. Um, 
introduce uh, Bubble Bobble was another one. Bubble Bobble is a lot about Mario, the Super Mario Brothers, the first one in, in the pipes with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was like, we'll hold off on that for. That one's a little. Months. That one's kind of hard. That yeah, one's so like, kind of learning curve. But um, with like retro gaming, like you mentioned, I've got an inordinate number of main emulations. So. I've been just trying to go through and find out ones that would work for them mm-hmm. that would be easy enough to introduce, fun for them to play, and not just completely make them bang their heads against the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or in the blind forest, trying to play that with a five-year-old. Oh. <laughs> it's really fun. Don't do that. Not a retro game, but still beautiful game. Fun game to play, but don't play it with a five-year-old. Anyone else? But are there any um, retro I've, games you haven't introduced yet? Uh, mm-hmm. On the your older Xbox, I picked up an arcade Classics collection and the old nice. Atari collection. Oh, nice. These are the games I grew up on. I mean, yeah, Super classic. Nintendo came out the year I graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. So retro for me is like three colors. Atari, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting there walking through how to play Adventure, oh. and they're they're sitting there. Dad, the graphics suck. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't even know. Okay, Curtis. I'm, mm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, she's already flinching. She should be. <laughs> should be. Worked my tail off to get a working copy of Final Fantasy VII, okay? And this was before it, there were emulators on it and stuff. It was a pain in the butt. You had to get the discs. They had to be in good condition. We had two of the discs in good condition, and nah. Okay, not enough to play it. I work my tail off. I put a giant blow-up mattress in the middle of the living room floor. I aim a projector at the ceiling. This is going to be an epic gaming experience. And then I went to the grocery store to pick up popcorn, because that's what they wanted for their gaming snack. And while I am in Target, I get a frantic phone call from this one. Mom, you got the wrong one. I don't think I did. I spent months doing this. I'm fairly certain I didn't. No, Mom, it looks so weird. You got the Lego version. (laughs) And I sat down. I sat down in the aisle at Target and just cried. People thought somebody had died. It was so embarrassing. And they'll never live it down as long as they live. Never, ever. But yeah, so the graphics struggle is real. I am waiting for the remake on FF7 because I, I need my kids to finally just sit down and realize like I don't care what it looks like the story is the story mm-hmm. and that way maybe I can get them to go back and play six. I, I love the story of Final Fantasy 7 the worst one I had was the old gold box D&D ones uh-huh. remember those? yes I do Okay, so I, I got Pool of Radiance the first gold box one loaded it up on the computer here you go kids let's create a party create a party <laughs> so she's the got first the cringe going on <laughs> I, they haven't played it since so much <laughs> No, he didn't give us any cheat codes. We had to actually play it. No, you can't cheat. Had to. Had to. Had to. Didn't get to. Had to. What lessons did you learn? That's my question. We never that's get wicked. things left down on our end. No, not no. ever. <laughs> hey, that, that's, just, that's just being a kid. Did you learn any lessons from playing that, though? Not to play games that are older than me. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're not much into the retro movement. Gotcha, gotcha. I remember I introduced Lily to Duck Hunt. 
and she loves Ooh. it. Loves it. You have so that's to have a great like an older for... screen though, because the you newer do. screens don't track terrible. the gun. I know. <laughs> it's she such a right pain. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Just right up to it, and then she tries Smart to, of course, girl. shoot the dog like we all did. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, you know going back to that kind of that older system is last Christmas or the Christmas before, my cousin got one of those little mini Nintendo games that had. Like, oh, the, like 20 the or 23 mini, games on them. Yeah. So we hooked it up and we had the kid, like little five-year-olds and a three-year-old playing Pac-Man yeah. and playing Super Mario Brothers and laughing hilariously every time they fell into lava pits or whatever. I mean, it, it's great to introduce them to these older games because they're they're on a different level of what what they're seeing today. Um, you know, like the bendy stuff. <laughs> that, that's high graphics. And then kids are introduced to something super simple like Super Mario Brothers and they just have a blast with it. But by the same token... One of the games that my girls are loving and have loved for like a year now, that they've gotten good at it, Tetris. Oh, Tetris. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> originally, actually, they have not played it on the Game Boy. I don't think I've showed it to them on the Game Boy yet, but I've got uh, one of the newer versions of it on the iPad and on the Kindle, nice. but it plays exactly the same. Um, and watching them learn how to do it, because I didn't tell them anything about it other than to put the pieces That's together, great for line, teaching them how to manipulate line. shapes and space. Yeah. And, and watching them over the over the series of months figure out how to go from this is falling, I can't do anything with it. Well, if I turn it this way or move it over here, this works. Oh, look, that line cleared. And at first, it was just really, really sick pleasure for me to watch them <laughs> go, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, no, really, you can. It's okay. And they would, they would get frustrated. They would get upset because five and six year olds. Yeah. And then they would kind of figure it out. And I also would only give them one device at a time. So they didn't have, they weren't playing Tetris on one and, and the other. They were both oh. playing together. And they'd get one piece at a time. So they had to work together, which mm -hmm. was. That's brilliant. pretty clever. Uh, yeah. It was <laughs> trying like because that. it was, you know, or sometimes somebody would get a piece and she's really trying to get another one really fast for their sister saw it. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 that doesn't work that way. Right. And then watching, you know, watching them as they are now, I think that last week, by themselves, they were up to like level eight. Oh, wow. Dang. Tetris is a great one. Yeah. Because you get your basic problem solving in there. And it's been around for literally forever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I was first started in college, uh, at the University of Utah, they had Tetris blocks on the bathroom floor. That was really messed with my brain. <laughs> but I remember my mom when I was in high school playing Tetris. Mm -hmm. And she, just like everybody else, would sit there and play for a while and then eventually get frustrated, storm out of her bedroom, yell at us and go back in her bedroom later. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's a, a wonderful bonding experience. It's a game that's been around for generations. And how to, to deal with the, the problem solving, how to organize things. And look at it this way, when you have to pack a suitcase for a trip, you're oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I worked oh, yeah. for an auction management company once. And it was brilliant because we used fairly uniform-sized boxes. It's nice. like, that needs to fit in there? Are you sure? We can't do it. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Tetris. What? Tetris taught me everything. The only problem is you keep trying to load things from yeah. the top. <laughs> <laughs> this is all Tetris. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Now you had another question? Okay, okay, well, let's let us know when you have it. Any other questions so far? Um, I want to jump in on that last sure. one, too, though. It's only one generation obsolete at this point, but I love watching my kids play Tokyo Jungle. I don't know what that is. Oh, what man. is Tokyo Jungle? Does anybody in here know Tokyo Jungle? <laughs> okay, you know Tokyo Jungle, I take it. 
Yes. Okay. You start out <laughs> as a very small, I, I want to say Pomeranian. Pomeranian. And it is like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> Tokyo where you have to find your way out of the apartment first to survive. Then you have only so long before you need clean water, food, and a mate. And if you don't find these things, start over. Mm-hmm. If you do find these things, you'll bring up a new generation and you get just a little bit stronger but so does your environment and your environment twists until you have things like cougars chasing you and eventually raptors like this is truly an out-of-the-box situation and it's kind of brutal for being kind of a low graphic odd import it's pretty brutal because you have to hunt it's 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 rough, but watching these kids take it and kind of go, okay, well, the probability, last time I tried to do this and it didn't work, how do I work on this? It's almost like watching them beta test because they're trying to poke holes in a system. And it's fascinating to watch how their minds have to adapt to it. I, we really hesitated to let my five-year-old watch his older sisters play. He's totally fine with it. He grasps it and he's okay with it because he's not looking at, well, the Pomeranian just had its neck broken. He's looking at, the Pomeranian didn't make it on this path. How do I get the Pomeranian there? So it's still a problem-solving issue, but I, I can't get enough of it. So... <laughs> uh-huh. One other thing about Tokyo Jungle, not only does it get more and more difficult, but as there are also essentially climate changes. Yes. So as you go along, waves of toxic gas will come into areas as you're trying to get get around, and at a certain point, you will just slowly die from that. So you constantly have to be migrated. Yeah, it's a it's nice. constant adapting. Yeah, and no, that's it is kind of nice watching you kids get tortured with it. You don't know what's going to what's in the next area and it's going to yeah. walk in next time. Mm-hmm. There are all the food like it it all has rational causes when you follow it down I mean it's rational as a game with raptors and toxic gas gets <laughs> but and and robot dogs and all the things that you can yes mm-hmm. conservation of mass like it, it really is a fun thing to watch that <laughs> but yeah if you haven't checked it out super cheap still pretty easy to find um, and you will waste the rest of your year on it so I did warn you. Is there a game you've introduced to your family members that they just hated and that just broke your heart? Uh, we talked about me putting up the retro game. Oh, yes, right? yes. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to dive in that to, into that a little bit more, actually. <laughs> I don't or was think there, my kids there have a game ever made you introduced them to that they just absolutely loved? That, that, that was there a game that surprised you that they loved so much? Persona 4. Yeah. I, I knew that they were interested in what was going on but I didn't know if they were actually going to care about the story, and they do. They deeply hold it as a personal thing. It's it's kind of a touchstone for the family. As <laughs> terrifying as a game about murder is to have a touchstone <laughs> for your family. But no, it it 
worked out really well. Whereas a lot of our Squaresoft things that Abraham and I bonded over Squaresoft when we were dating, I, I dare say we might not have the same relationship we have now, <laughs> nearly 20 years later, uh, if it weren't for things like Parasite Eve and Chrono Cross. Um, and the kids just have not picked those up mm -hmm. and it has not been for lack of pushing. Like it's, it's happened. I, I can't say whether or not they hate them though because they won't play them. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So I just don't know, but there's an attempt. I had an interesting one, okay? Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, my kids grew up mostly playing role-playing games, mm -hmm. but that wasn't really always the case. I know my kids many moons ago loved My Little Pony. Oh, yes. I'm sitting there, okay, we can get them started in gaming. Mm -hmm. My Little Pony card game, we're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's what happened. They She's like, were really don't tell the story, Dad. Don't. They were really excited about it. They started playing it. And they ran across some problems that they couldn't agree on what the rules meant. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see how the kids handled it. So did they start yelling at each other? Did they throw fits? Did they trade cards to get what they wanted? They came to the conclusion that this game sucks, we'll just set it aside. <laughs> so they, they avoided the conflict by eliminating the reason for the conflict. Oh, we're just not going to play the game. Yeah. Did you ever have a time when your family members made up their own rules for a game? Or tried oh. to? I get that all the time. With always. always. That's not how you play this. My boys to make it so she wins. How do you, how do you deal with that when that happens? Do you just... I just have to tell her to knock it off. <laughs> just call them on it immediately. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not Calvin Ball. You know, you can't just go, I'm doing this, and then we're doing this. It's like, no, that's not part of the game. Yeah. That's not how this is played. And, you know, you'll also have the telltale of, she's not being fair. Okay, well, that's an indication that something has changed out of the dynamic that mm -hmm. they were playing, and all of a sudden, new role has been introduced. That's not how you play the game. <laughs> well, it's how we play my game. Great, go play that alone. Yep. Well, I'm just going yeah. to say that no one actually reads the rules to Monopoly until there is an <laughs> argument. <laughs> true. My husband had them memorized. Like, Monopoly, Scrabble, like, he knows every loophole. I didn't grow up with loopholes. I grew up an only child. I got what I wanted. He grew up with two brothers. He had to resolve all the fights. Like, it's, it, that's been a learning curve for me. I'm not adjusted to that. We've, uh, as a, a role-playing family, we've had some interesting things. Uh, I was introduced by my uncles to D&D back in the day. And, you know, we played D&D a little bit, but I was, you know, Burton and Ernie didn't do really well, and it wasn't the only thing we played. The other thing back in the 80s was G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my uncle and I decided to play G.I. Joe, and you got your standard, I hit you, no, you didn't. No, you're Cobra, <laughs> you can't hit anybody. Uh, <laughs> so we actually developed all the rules, my uncle and I, on how to play G.I. Joe. This particular uncle is only about five years old. Mm -hmm. So we, we'd go out in the backyard, my, my uh, grandma lived on a ranch, basically, a massive, massive farm. We go out in the backyard, take out all the G.I. Joes. We build an aircraft carrier out of lumber, and we just went to town with it. So now, translating that to the next generation, so, you know, we'll, we'll play Pathfinder or something like that, and I'll ask them, what would you do? How would you change that? And we've used it in very, very different ways. Okay, let's not necessarily change the rules. Let's think about a world. Create your own world. Okay? You want to put a dragon out there. Dragon, this gold dragon, say lives in the prairies. What does a gold dragon eat? What happens if you remove a lot of these meat. creatures? <laughs> a lot of meat. You know, but what happens if you remove these things? So we, we talk about in, the environment and the ecosystem and the food chains and all of that when we go up to the zoo and talk about them. So we, what do you, you know, Hogel Zoo, what's the gold dragon going to eat? 
Well, in the plains, there's lots of elephants. <laughs> the elephants are in the elephants. You can get to them pretty easily. The rhinoceros isn't so bad either. You, got <laughs> <laughs> you get the gist. We, we actually analyzed school lessons by applying to it. Well, and like as you mentioned, you teach your kids with uh, homeschool with yeah. the uh, video game twist. Yeah. I was homeschooled till high school mm-hmm. as well. We did the whole let's go to the zoo, make chimera. There you go. Like that's yeah. part of the whole process because hey, that was what we did. Well, going back to yours with uh, Pathfinder, my girls aren't quite at that level yet, mm-hmm. but years ago their grandfather had started telling a story about gundrop pirates. So I'm like, okay, this is great. And he would just tell them like bedtime stories using, you know, pirates that were loosely based on the girls. So one night I decided I can tell them a bedtime story using the gumdrop pirates with D&D. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of set up a very loose beginning of once upon a time scenario. And then said, well, if you're going to, so what are you going to do? How do you find this, or where do you go to find this? And let them help build the story, and then advance the story from, from the narrator perspective a little bit, and then go, what do you do here? Or this shows up, what do you do? And at one point, they got to the point of, you know, well, we go into town, we get a wagon, we get all of our things we want to take with us to go find this treasure, and... I would throw different animals or people or creatures at them along the way, and then they get there, and, and in a great bit of game breaking, they decided to befriend the dragon that was guarding the treasure. <laughs> well, that's like, awesome. Okay, and it just it was like not what I thought of, but I like the way you're going, mm-hmm. and it just worked, and we just kind of progressed from there. So every once in a while, we'll throw one of those out there and just let them understand role playing from that perspective, which will be my gateway to getting. That's what I do with Lily is I will just drop her into the middle of Skyrim and say, go make your own story. You can do whatever you want, go wherever you want to go. What if an enemy comes? Run away, kill it. You know, mm-hmm. Make your own Solve story. Solve the problem. Yeah, figure your it way. out. Solve the problem your way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's become our answer for a lot of things. Because yeah. at six, it's like a lot of bantering back and forth with your sister. Mm-hmm. So it's like we've come to the point of going, that's a kid problem. That does not require an adult to solve. Exactly. We actually are a big fan of that, too. And with intro to uh, video gaming, we've even incorporated some of that. My five-year-old was absolutely convinced he was going to play Fortnite, and I could not stop him. I said, fine, you go right on ahead and try. (laughs) And he can actually play Fortnite. Mm -hmm. He has issues where he'll come in and he'll be like, Mom, I lost. Okay. And? Get good. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's expecting like a pat on the shoulder and oh sweetheart, you lo- no. Go do it again then. Go do it till you don't. Like figure, figure out what you did wrong. Yeah. yeah. Don't do gaming. The same thing next time. Exactly. It's like gaming. Life. Yeah. No gaming has gave you a pat on the back. Exactly. 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 Gaming has been such. For for those of you who know me, yeah. my daughter has a lot of emotional and behavioral issues, and so gaming, especially in the last month has been such a huge piece in her in her cognitive in her CBT and her cognitive behavioral therapy is we play games and that we're we're at the physician's office and they get out a board game and we play it and she learns that yeah you're gonna lose sometimes and that's okay. Yeah. It's not just okay but it's necessary. Yeah. Yes. And they have to learn that yeah you're not gonna be great at everything right out of the gate. You may not ever be really fantastic at this, 
That's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, it's an important part of many therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have PTSD. I use very loud, explosive gaming with a headset to cover up fireworks because they're a trigger for me. This mm-hmm. month is not my month. Oh. I literally just went out and got myself a new job so I could try to fly to Florida before the 24th <laughs> for some reason. Um, like my kids are <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Uh, So my kids have grown up seeing this. And when Siren had her social anxiety take over, and I mean, it really took over. We were on the verge of agoraphobia. It was not a happy time. It was a little bit of a scary time. She had to kind of turn to games and decide, how can I find a safe place but not let it become the only place? Mm -hmm. And so we've used that as a therapy. We've talked about it with therapists. We've had to really make that work, and we've made it work. But, again, you have to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've watched you develop what you're doing with Lily for the past while. She is a tough one. And it takes a lot of planning, though. You guys, you've been such rock stars together. (laughs) You and Lily, like, figuring it out as you go. But it's taken work. Yeah. So we only have a few more minutes. I do want to open it up. Do we have any questions from the audience? Anything at all. You can even ask us our favorite colors. (laughs) Mine's purple. My question is with Clue. Yeah. Do you watch the movie? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All the time. Okay. See, see, my, my kids are well indoctrinated. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yes. Now, I'm sure what you did in the theater what ending I was going to Oh, There's a DVD option where it can right. randomize it right it. now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, we have a question right here, real quick. Yeah. So, what games do you recommend for kids just learning to read? Like, I've got our Pokemon Black right now, and she can kind of sound out the names, and it's good. I mean, if she can understand rock, paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've become a huge fan of this, even though my girls are reading Telltale. There's a couple of different versions of it. This one is the fairy tales version. But this one allows you to just look at the card and just build the story from that. Um, when our girls started reading, we didn't really do a lot of interactive gaming where they had to read rules or anything. So we did things like Candyland, where you see the color, go with that. Um, shoots and ladders, it's a number you can add. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Hero Clicks, which is a miniatures game. Has the numbers, has the stats for the figures on the figure, and you just roll two dice and add that to see is it a hit or not a hit. That's always that's also been good because that helps with the math comprehension as well. And also, there's there's a great um, app that we use at our house called Starfall, oh. mm-hmm. and it's all games and it's all educational games. It's reading, it's math, yeah. it's science. It is a fantastic app. Um, that kids, they're playing games and they're learning, but they don't really realize that they're There's learning. There's also reading involved with that as well. There is. There's a story time portion of that there is. as well. So There's, Starfall is really yeah. good. There's a, yeah. It's a subscription service, but it's for a year. But it's, once you pay the subscription, it's for all of your devices. Yeah, it's so. fantastic. And we've tried ABC Mouse, but I don't like that as much as I, I like Starfall. Like. Starfall is a lot better. It's, it's easily portable. It's great on your phone. It's great on a tablet. It's great on a computer. That's a really great system for kids to learn. Yeah, we've gaming. been using a lot of Disney Infinity, which mm-hmm. you will have to like get online and find mm-hmm. one because they oh, are gone. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You can find it's like easy to find them, though. Um, but they will memorize bits mm-hmm. as you go through, and so they'll start getting their sight words off of that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's been excellent for sight words, and we did not think it would be, is Stardew Valley. That's mm-hmm. another good one. The way that it ones. builds has been really good, and for a cheap game... It's been great. And, you know, even even with with my kiddo, we played. She really loves Undertale, and I, I we have to I have to read her to her, but she will read it with me because most of what's 
read or said is on the screen. Like so she's paste. learning, she's seeing the sight words, she's learning that as well. So any game where you can kind of put the text up on the screen and they can read it with you is, is a great system to go. Yeah. Uh, question I've got, we've got a few kids all in varying grades and puzzle abilities. Do we always want to go skew on the low end for the ones that are youngest? Do we want to stay on the high end? Do we want to jump around? Jump around. jump around. I jump around or I change ability. So one of the things that was really brilliant that was mentioned in one of the tabletop uh, conversations yesterday, it was actually, you were moderating, <laughs> mm -hmm. was the idea of giving the people who need an extra boost, maybe extra HP, or maybe they have an extra item or things like that. If it's something where you have some control, that's a really excellent way to level the playing field without dumbing it down too much for somebody who yeah. is going to get bored or putting somebody in a position where they really can't have fun because they don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so that helps a lot. Or creating teams. So, you know, like your oldest with your youngest and then like pare it down. Okay. It's When I do that, though, it's usually with larger groups. <laughs> and I force my kids to help kids that they don't even know very often. They, they don't love it a lot, but I always say that the youngest one is the one that's the decision maker. So the older one has to abide by the rules set by the younger one. It does make it more difficult, but it does make sure that people are having more fun. So you're interactive on a different level. So we are out of time for this panel, but let's go ahead and we'll start at this end. We'll go down, just tell us once more what your name is, where we can find you, and uh, we'll head out of here. Uh, Rob Neal, uh, Shadowrunner on all social media. I can also send Dr. Volts Gaming uh, uh, Comic Connection on uh, in Milk Group. Mitchell Gal, if you can at Utah, so you can find us on Facebook. Ernest Baum, the easiest way to track me down is DiaryCorgiGames.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, but there's more than a few of me. <laughs> many, many, many. Apparently, I've got a common name. So. Gotcha. Uh, Gaming Con is also an easy way to get hold of me. Perfect. Uh, Jean, I go by Jean Laffey Child online. Uh, Candace Tarkesian at learnexploreador.com. And I am Sarah Hanisco. You can find me on Geek Parenting Podcast, Heroes Feast Podcast, and Push My Buttons Podcast all over. All right, thanks for coming, guys. Let's and you, back here. <laughs> back here with the kiddo, sir. Come here. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. Hi, everybody. This is Matt. And I'm Trevor. We're the co-hosts of the Nighthawks podcast, a movie podcast for people who like to stay up late. We've just joined the Hello, Sweetie podcast network, expanding our podcast empire and bringing the world to its knees. Take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. We're going to talk to you about movies. We've got new movies, old movies, movies we love, movies nobody loves. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. Hey, that was pretty good. Do you think they'll listen? And the good ones always do. Thank you.